Thank you, David. We are certainly better because of the presence of uh, his family, him, they're all gifts. And thank you, Katie Sparrow, for your testimony earlier as well. Um, we, we've been joking all day saying we just put everybody's name in a hat and we just pulled out some random names and that's who offered our testimonies today. Uh, but that's really not true. We, uh, we, we hand-selected the people we selected because we truly believe that God had something uh, for them to share with the rest of us today, and sure enough, they've done that. Um, Paul writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, and we are going to hear those words today in Moore County, Airport Road. From Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. God, thank you for knitting us together as one. May you open our ears so that the body receives the word that you would have us to receive today. May your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel, an instrument of your grace. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. So much of the responsibility for the preacher who stands in the pulpit each week is to, uh, to be prophetic, to serve as a prophet for uh, the, the beloved community. And through being prophetic, it is the preacher's responsibility each week to point out some things that need pointing out, to shine light on some things that need to have some light shined on them, 
to call out some things that need to be called out and to remind, to remind. Each week, whenever a preacher stands here, they are seeking to remind the beloved community of some things they need to be reminded of. Reminders of who you are. Reminders of who we are. Reminders of who God is. What God has done, what God is, is doing, and what God will do. Each week we stand up here and we offer these reminders like read your e-news. But more importantly, who you are, who we are, who God is. And although we call the Apostle Paul apostle and not prophet, we definitely see some prophetic qualities in his letters. Yes, he always starts the letter out with pleasantries. Uh, God bless you, we're happy for you, you do good. Um, and then he always ends the letter with some nice, uh, some nice words at the end. Uh, Tell such and such, I said hello and God bless you and, and keep up the good work. But in the middle of the letters, Paul is very prophetic. He's always pointing things out, shining light on things. He's always calling things out. He is always functioning by way of reminder. Paul gets to the point where he's just flat out preaching. Sometimes he goes past the point of preaching to meddling. Paul is a meddler. Many of the things that he points out are still relevant for us today. Some of the things that he shines light on, they are still relevant revelations for us today. Paul reminds his original audience and us of things that we need to be reminded of. Paul functions like much of Scripture by way of reminder, to remind us of who we are, to remind us of who God is. So he first reminds the church in Ephesus today about living a life that is worthy of our calling. In the church of Ephesus, they remind some other churches, and those other churches remind some other churches, and those churches remind some other churches, and so on and so forth, all the way until we get to this point here, this beautiful morning in beautiful Moore County, where we are gathered together under one roof, hoping, longing for the Word of God to be made tangible for us. Paul reminds the church, Paul calls the church, not just individuals, but the church, which is comprised of all sorts of individuals, Thomas and, and Deb and Phyllis and Chuck, right, and Bill, God, through uh, Paul's words, calls us together to lead a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And our response should be a response that is worthy. Worthy. So what does a worthy response to this call from God through Paul look like within the church? What is a worthy response to leading this life of calling? 
Well, Paul says humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That is a worthy response. While always affirming our oneness because there is one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Living into that, that oneness, testifying to it. We are one. And the really cool thing that Paul says after that is, is you, us, we, in response to our callings, as we try to get this worthy response, we do not have to do all things as individuals. We just have to use our graces and our gifts to do some of the things. You see, because we are one you do not have to do everything. Because we are one, for example, you do not have to be the prophetic voice. I kind of like being that. You don't have to do it. Sometimes when the Spirit calls you to do it, we'll give you the opportunity to do it. But you don't have to do it. You can be an apostle. The church needs apostles. An apostle is kind of like a thumb. Apostle, they, they are the thumb. They are the ones that hold things together. And thanks be to God, at Pinehurst United Methodist Church, we have a lot of people around here who hold things together through the utilization of their gifts. We are surrounded by good thumbs, by good apostles. In keeping with the hand imagery. The prophet is like a pointer finger because they point out the things that need pointing out. That happens here through many voices, not just my own, not just Pastor Katie. We have many prophets utilizing their gifts. And then you have the evangelist. Uh, the evangelist is like the middle finger because they have the longest reach. We have some great evangelists around here. We have people who spread the word of God, who spread the love of God through their reach at their apartment complexes, at, at nursing homes, prisons, and yes, even the golf course. And Paul says some are called to be pastors, and they are like the ring finger because they are kind of wed to the church. We have many around here who we do not call pastor, but who are pastors in every sense of the word without being licensed. Thanks be to God for them. And then, thank the Lord, some are called to be teachers. And they are like the pinky finger. Not because they are little or small, or because the government pays them little. I'm married to a teacher. I take that one personally. Uh, 
but they are the pinky finger because only the teacher can get in there and clear out all the gunk and mess that is in our head so that we can receive the good news with clarity. Praise God, we are surrounded by so many good and beautiful teachers here at this church. Because we are one, because we are one, our individual gifts can be utilized in a way that makes us a complete body. We do not have to do it all. We just do our part, and the one body is whole. It's whole. Paul says that we, we strive for a maturity in love together, born out of love for one another and out of love for God. And in doing so, we grow up into Christ, who is the head of the church, the head of the body. And if we are doing our part individually and collectively, then the body is complete. The body is connected. The body thrives. But the body, the only way that it thrives is through that connection. Because the toe bone's connected to the foot bone, the foot bone's connected to the leg bone, leg bone's connected to the knee bone. You went straight to hip. I could keep on going, but I'm not. And you're very welcome. And it is Christ. It is Christ who knits us all together in, a, in the body in a way that is beyond beautiful. It is Christ who knits us together beautifully as one in Christ. There are, no, there are no places, there is no place in the body for dry bones. Dry bones are dead bones. The prophet Ezekiel tells us about dry bones in one of his prophecies. He's walking through this valley of dry bones. It's like the valley of the shadow of death. And God instructs Ezekiel to speak life to the bones, to speak breath into the bones. And Ezekiel does that, and by the power of God, the bones, they reanimate, they connect to one another, and, and, and they live, they live. And there are many places, friends, many places where the church has been likened to a valley of dried up bones. There are many places where the church is being written off. There are many places where many are saying that the days of the church are numbered. We live in an age when many who care about the church look out and we lament and say, look at all these dry bones. They don't say that about us. We are not in the valley. We are very much alive. We are thriving here. The church that gathers at 4111 Airport Road is fully alive. 
we have a Sunday called Celebration Sunday where we actually get to celebrate. Woo! I said, when you did that at 8.15, I said, if they do that while I'm preaching, we're going to have a problem. Woo! So on this Celebration Sunday, I want you to know how good you are. In my prophetic role today, I want to remind you of how good you are. And I want to remind us of why it is that we are able to thrive here. It is precisely because together, as one, we lead a life that is worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And we do so with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. We make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We acknowledge, we affirm, we proclaim that there is one body, one Spirit. We are called to the one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. We are good, we thrive here, we are fully alive here because we have knowledge of the Son of God. We have knowledge of the full stature of Christ and we live into that. We are not like children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery and their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but we speak the truth in love. That's why we are fully alive here as a body. Remember, I said at the beginning, so much of the responsibility of the preachers to do some reminding, to call out some things, to shine light on some things. Today, I want to point out shine light on and remind all of us that we are doing our part. No dry bones here. This part of the body is doing its part, period. Don't get me wrong. Paul's words in the middle of the letters where he gets to meddling, those words still have relevance for us there is still some growing toward Christ that can and needs to happen here. The good news is there's plenty of room for that growth. The preachers can go back to being prophetic pointer-outers next week. No need for meddling today, friends. Only love. You are good. You are so good. You are so beautifully, beautifully good. The kingdom of God is glorified by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. The body is working properly here, and there's plenty of evidence to support that claim, measurable and immeasurable. So keep being you. Keep being us. The Spirit of God is on the move here. 
It's palpable. It's real. It's a gift. And so are you. And I cannot wait to see what happens next. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for knitting us together. Thank you for calling us together. Thank you for giving us everything we need to glorify you in this place, in this community, in this world. We give you thanks for our health and our vitality as a body. We pray, God, that you continue to give us all the things we need to stay healthy. Above all, God, we just thank you for being you. It is in the name of Christ that we pray. And all God's people in one voice say, amen.